what I'm about to say is for high-risk gamblers, uh, people who understand risk, folks who understand that we're here to make money. All right, back at it, pod and weave. Um, looking to snap a little cold streak on the show, and also we're uh, taking a scheduled week off next week as it's a pretty slow boxing weekend. So let's uh, make make some hay here. Um, joined as always, my co-host Vlad. Uh, Vlad, how you doing? Doing great. What's up, guys? Let's break down some fights. Couldn't have said it any better myself. That's what we do here. Um, a week off UFC. So uh. Yeah, the spotlight's going to be on us for some some sharp boxing action. Um, yeah, so this weekend is a pretty loaded slate. I mean, just looking at pro boxing odds, there's a ton to choose from. So Vlad and I just kind of picked our spots, got to whatever we got to. If we skipped anything, you can rest assured it's just because we think the lines are sharp and there's not um a whole lot to say about it. Um, we've got offerings from Queensbury. We've got a matchroom show, a boxer card golden boy here in the states um so let's just get after it and cover the fights that uh we were able to cover i'll go first um just because i've got thoughts on two uh, of the fights from the golden boy card i taped um alexis rocha making his return after a pretty um pretty serious fight with george Ashi. i mean i know he got the ko in devastating fashion but that was a, that was a decent little tear up and he's coming back against anthony juice young of new jersey um I wasn't able to reach any action here. I was kind of envisioning a shot on Young and Rocha to go over maybe the distance, but you know, Anthony Young's just not really fought stellar competition from the time that um he upset Saddam Ali. And in one of those fights against uh Louisiana's Todd Manuel, um, it was a fight where he was arguably sort of lucky to to skate with a, a decision on, on scorecards and also Manuel fought in the southpaw stance for a lot of that fight as Rocha always does. So just didn't bode well for me. I think um, Young's kind of subpar oppo could catch him here. So I think the lines are sharp and Rocha maybe even uh, gets a, gets a KO here. Um, But, and then further down the card is a fight that I've got a bet on. It's Oscar Duarte. who's a huge favorite over D'Angelo keys. Um, Huge money line, not appealing. So I just, uh, keyed in on the totals we got a 4.5 total um which i took i i took the under there um and yeah rationale is just i i think the matchmaking here indicates to me that golden boy is going to get behind uh, oscar duarte for another kind of proper run he's a guy who they've gotten behind a couple times before he's had a setback but i think uh on the heels of that alex martin ko now is uh the time that they're gonna uh back him again you know i just think D'Angelo Keys, from what it, what I was able to find on him, he's kind of everything that Alex Martin wasn't in his last fight. When Alex Martin gave Duarte a bit of a hard time before the stoppage, you know, Keys is a very upright fighter. He's an orthodox uh, fighter. He's not really fast. He's he's easy to find and typically the one pushing the pace. I just think Duarte is going to kind of put him on a poster here and get a highlight real KO. Um some sticker shock on the four and a half total Duarte's KOs tend to come second half, but I'm just looking at this matchup and it's, I don't see what keys is bringing to the table to warrant a, uh, a higher total. So, you know, for Duarte to get this KO inside five rounds effectively, I think is totally fine and a reasonable way to bet this fight. So that's my first bet of the card. I went for the Duarte keys 
under four and a half. Um, and yeah, let's give uh, Vlad an opportunity to kind of chime in on some fights. Let's start with uh, maybe this Queensbury card here. Do you have any thoughts, Vlad, on um, yeah, start off with Anthony Kakachi and Damian. Uh, can you help me out with this surname oh. pronunciation? Versins- uh, Damian Versinski, I nice. assume. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I have pretty pretty fleeting thoughts here as well. Um, at first, I thought it was a ten rounder, so uh, I kind of got quite excited when I saw the decision at well. What is it like minus one twenty, minus one thirty, around that? Uh, but then I realized it's a twelve rounder, so it kind of makes it a bit more, uh, a bit more iffy. Kakachi should win. I I like him. I lost. I usually tend to underrate Kakachi as a fighter. I think I lost uh, on the uh, on Magnese against him, and I lost on the uh, Sambo and against him as well. It was two split decisions, but I thought Kakachi won those fights pretty clearly. Uh yeah, I think I think he should pick up a he should pick up a decision here. Pretty straightforward. Uh, Versensky seems relatively tough from like just kind of scanning his box rec record and just a few bits and bobs I've seen. Uh, otherwise, yeah. Um, I think he can make a worse bet than Kakachi by decision, minus 125. But yeah, I'm not going to force it. Uh, if you're degenerate, yeah, it's probably not the not the worst bet. Cool, yeah, I, I didn't really have any any thoughts there. Minus one twenty probably hits for a decision, but not really trying to rely on um this Damien fellow to survive um twelve rounds. So yeah, sounds like we're kind of on the same page with Kakachi. I know you also taped the Willow Hayden fight. He's historically not a guy I'm a huge fan of watching, but do you have any thoughts on him um betting wise for this fight? Um yeah, I think just like like the brief kind of breakdown is uh Hayden is decent enough not to fade him uh against uh, Ellison. Everything else, yeah, he should win a decision, but I think it's like minus minus three hundred or something like that. So it's a pass. Uh, I think he's actually a uh, he's a he's to spark Conor McGregor when McGregor was uh, uh, entering boxing and all that. So I guess that's a little tidbit. But otherwise, yeah, he's he's decent enough not to fade him. But uh, I don't think he stops Ellison, so it's a pass. Yeah, sure thing. I mean, him by decision, whatever that price is, I'm I'm sure it's accurate. Um, moving along to a fight that I grappled with, and I had some conflicting thoughts, and it was a begrudging pass, but it says Pedrag McCrory fight against um Diego Ramirez. I'll get into it real quick. So McCrory is the massive favorite. You're just looking at um totals here, which I think it's like a five and a half, I believe. Um. I'm begrudgingly passing this fight. I mean, I think, you know, ostensibly it should be a slam dunk. Diego's campaigning at 168 for, I think, the first time in his career. Um, But there's some factors here I'm not in love with. Um, This was meant to be McCrory initially against Yamaguchi Falcao before Yamaguchi took that um, ill-fated David Morrell fight. Um, And then you've got Diego in his place, and he seems like a guy who's kind of slippery enough to be um, a bit of a pest on short notice. Um, I watched that Vinny Feigenboots fight in which he was stopped. It kind of stood out in his resume because he's otherwise been durable. So it's like, why is he getting stopped by Vincent Feigenboots? Um, And it was on body shots. And um, yeah, he he, there's a bit of a quit in him after getting stopped uh, 
after getting dropped by a body shot. And I compare that to McCrory's skill set and, you know, call me on it if I'm wrong. It's possible. But, you know, from the bun fight and some of the other highlights I watched, it seems like McCrory kind of lumps these heavy headshots um, to get his stoppages. I base that also on some other fight close to pandemic time in which he, um, he like shattered some guy's nose after repeated headshots. And I would prefer for a fight like this, especially against a guy coming up in weight to bank an under on a guy who has a dedicated body attack, which I'm not sure McCrory does. Um, and also just being totally fair to Diego. Um, he got stopped by Feigen boots, but that is one fight out of a pretty large sample size. He's, He's been around. He's a credible journeyman. Um, so all of that amounted to me just being kind of wishy-washy and passing on this fight and wanting to take the under because it seems so obvious with this weight class jump. I've said before, I think 160 to 168 is one of the more serious jumps in weight. Um, but I couldn't make anything of this fight. Do you disagree, Vlad? What do you what do you make this one? Uh, no, I don't disagree at all. Uh, I also kind of came in to the taping process wanting to like the under... But I agree with what you said about Ramirez, and even in the Feigenbutz fights, up until like the moment of the stoppage when he got hurt, he never really looked in trouble. Like if anything, if I was watching that fight live, I would say, yeah, this is cruising to a to a decision. And Ramirez just seems like the type of fighter that can kind of sting the place out quite quite well. He's he has no issues being negative. Uh, and McCrory, yeah, he's got he's got a lot of power in his right hand, but. Uh, now that you said it about body shots, I don't really remember him ever being ever going to the body. But yeah, it's usually kind of trying to set up his big right hand uh, um, to the head. So the the over under is five point five rounds. Yeah, I probably wouldn't feel too comfortable betting uh, betting the under at minus money really here because it could be one of those where it's in the uh, Ramirez just kind of goes on the back foot and is uh, and is able to sting the place out. Um, but also, you can't really trust the moving up and uh, moving up in weight and uh, McCrory just being generally a pretty big puncher. So, yeah, I think uh, I agree with your with your breakdown that it's a it's a begrudging pass on the under. Yeah, yeah, you mentioning McCrory being a big puncher just kind of adds to my overall unease passing here but i don't know all, all these factors we mentioned about him coming up in weight are factors that the odds maker and the general public are aware of so it's not like we've uncovered a hidden gem so yeah maybe just passing is the right way to go there um interesting fight here nick ball defending his um i think it's a version of the wbc strap uh whatever i could be wrong he's a pretty big favorite over the south african ludomo lamati um and yeah, prohibitive favorite. You're looking at a seven and a half total. I mean, I, I only in passing looked at Ludomo tape and I enjoyed watching it. He's an entertaining fighter, but he is coming up a weight class here. And I think that um kind of gets in the way of my ability to take more interest in him as a dog. But um, let me know what you think, Vlad. Yeah, uh, so I, I enjoy taping this fight. Nick Bowl, always great, uh, great fun to watch. And Lamati as well. Uh, really enjoyed his fights. I think I'm not sure um, how much I can trust him just uh, to beat Nick Bowl just because of to me he seems a bit uh, defensively vulnerable. But I can definitely see him g- giving Nick Bowl uh, a pretty a pretty tough fight. 
A, you have a big height advantage, just like everyone everyone else uh, has against Nick Bow. And he just seems like the type of uh, the fighter that can, uh, when they go and get stuff, that he'll still be there and he will be kind of standing in the pocket of Nick Bow if, if, if he has to. Um, I I watched a couple of interviews with both guys, and I think both I think both actually predicting late late stoppages. So perhaps that's that's a way uh, they're gonna approach the fight. I think uh, Lamati should the smart game plan for Lamati would be to be very defensively cautious early, and then try and uh, break Nick Ball down as he maybe perhaps perhaps overexerts himself. Uh, honestly, I don't hate the over. I don't have. I don't. I don't hate the over seven point five here. Uh, I think Nick Ball will will start pretty quick, but eventually settle into rhythm, and uh, maybe look for a stoppage later on. I think the over is actually pretty generous. I thought it would be about maybe eight point five, nine point five. Uh, so yeah, I I still haven't bet. I still haven't betted, but um, I am considering the uh, the over seven point five here. Minus one twenty, pretty, pretty uh, decent price. Yeah, it seems like this Ludomo guy is not um, Isaac Lowe as long as he can just stay in his feet. Over is mm-hmm. probably a um, a good look here. And main event time: Luis Alberto Lopez, Mick Conlon. Lines are ping ponging, so check your books. Um, but Conlon's going to close as the fave. He's already taking some money on certain books and reaching like minus one forty three. Um, it's admittedly lazy analysis, like I'm totally conceding it, but I just feel like for these main events that are high profile and they're going to be receiving live odds and you're anticipating um, these fights here in the final bell, I don't really know why you wouldn't just seek to live bet them unless you think the pre-flop money lines are like remarkably wrong, which I don't think they are here. Um, You know, I think this is a competitive fight. I don't know the extent to which um like if Conlon blow had blown out let's say to minus 200 ish then certainly you know lopez would be a bet but i don't uh i don't really feel compelled to bet this fight at current prices i i would much rather just wait to see how um a couple of rounds shake out do you disagree vlad how do you how do you see this one yeah, it's, I've I've never been great at predicting uh Conlon fights really um but I always, I always could just kind of pick Conlon by decision. Always seems to be like the safe, easy choice. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have a great read on this one. I think, look, like any, like I said, like any kind of close, close big fight, just gonna wait, wait and uh, wait and see how it goes live because the odds are gonna get wonky all, all over it. I think, uh, like you, if we look at Loma Haney, what did what did Haney close at? Haney closed at the plus money, didn't he? Oh, you mean during the fight, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, comfortably for sure. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and I think Loma was was Loma was plus money during the fight as well. So uh, there you go. You you have ample opportunities to pick to pick out a spot. If you have access to live live betting, it's usually a gold mine. Yeah, certainly not for every main event. I mean, there are fights that are more volatile and can probably end early. But um, if this one is kind of dead set and going rounds, which it seems to be, then um, uh, I don't know why you wouldn't just take that option. I, I think I would also add, just as far as like 
any attempt at analysis goes. I'm not really sure how Conlon's last couple of fights post Lee would have prepped him for this one. I mean, beat Mariaga, Miguel was like slipping all over the canvas in that fight. I don't know if it was a combination of knockdowns, just poor mat conditions, but weird fight. And then he just dusts Kareem Grafai and inside a round and does that equip him to fight someone like uh, Luis Alberto Lopez over 12 rounds? I think the jury's kind of out there. So I think I would like shade favoritism toward Lopez. But again, I uh, can't be arsed to bet this fight, as uh, my friends across the pond would say. Um, yeah, enough of that. Let's get to this matchroom card coming up next. Um, I understand you have some thoughts on the Danny Ball fight. So maybe we can just get the ball rolling there. Yeah. <laughs> Pun intended, I assume. Uh, sure, yeah, I, I, I gave it a very, very brief tape, but uh, I think there might just be a bit of value on uh, on Robinson uh, by decision at uh, plus 700. Let me just check that now. Yeah, Robinson by decision is plus 700. So if you've got some spare change, yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe throw that a throw that on that because it's a fight that goes. Uh, it's a fight that goes to decision most of the time. And Danny Bow, yeah, I think Danny Bow is a bit better everywhere than uh, uh, than Robinson. Probably operated the high level, uh, and and his only loss does does come to to echo to echo Esselman. So, but Robinson was pretty impressive in his last time out. Stopped. Um, What's the gentleman's name? If uh, Benfield, I believe, is uh, if I am correct, uh, who's notoriously very, very tough. So yeah, look, I think I think Danny Ball wins this fight uh, more often than not. But for a fight that goes to decision, probably maybe ninety or eighty-five percent of the time, why not take a little stab at uh, Robinson by decision plus seven hundred decent odds? Nice. Yeah, I like that little uh. The little snipe there. Um gonna gonna tail you there on some D Gen action. Um as far as a track play I've got, um I've got action on this Campbell Hatton fight. Before I take it away, is this one that you have any thoughts on? Uh yeah, I will be you take it away, but I'll be joining uh I'll be joining you basically. <laughs> cool. Cool. Um yeah, I'm on the over six and a half here. I think it's like Kind of terrific, you know, trying to rein in my enthusiasm, but I, I just think that's the even money on it over here is really solid. Um, it's facing this fellow, Mikhail Bulik, um, who is nothing special, but he possesses a lot of traits that you like to see in these like over fights against the novice fighters like the Campbell Hattons and Nico Ali Walsh's of the world. He can move in and out with his punches. He knows how to move his head a little bit, um, knows when to tie up. He's also, uh, for me, he's just kind of tough and rugged, and he also has sufficient pop to keep a fighter off him. Um, You know, I was taping what footage of him I could find on these Polish websites, and he's scoring knockdowns that aren't recorded on his his CV. So I think once Campbell gets kind of a taste of one of those, when Bullock's against the ropes, it might um, prevent him from kind of charging in recklessly. Um, And Campbell Hatton just has this thing going on right now where his stoppages are largely coming in the form of these KO ones versus guys who have no intention of fighting that night. And I think it would only be fair to Bullock to assume he's going to give it a go. Um, you never know what's inside a fighter's mind, but 
I would have to think for this opportunity, he's going to want to kind of leave it in the ring. And, you know, one thing I'll say in fairness and just giving the other side of the equation of how this bet might not shake out uh, to our advantage, uh, Bullock's fights have featured like a number of kind of cuts and clashes of heads and Bullock is sporting a kind of crimson mask. So you could see a stoppage or a technical decision um, could be live in the form of something like that. But if you're just looking at merit, like fighter versus fighter, um, I would have to think this goes the distance um, the majority of the time. I don't think Haddon is just going to ice this guy early, um, given Bullock's uh, yeah, pedigree. What what do you think, Vlad? Yeah, look, uh, anytime I can get decent money on a Campbell Hatton over against a seemingly tough opponent, I will be there. And I'm and I'm taking this. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm going to take uh, Bullock just briefly uh, after the show ends, uh, just to confirm everything. Uh, but yeah, I'm pretty sure I'll be on the uh, I'll be in the over here. Uh, Hatton, Campbell Hatton, Campbell Hatton. Uh, not much power. He did get a uh, was it last time out? He got the stoppage in the first round of the mm-hmm. show. Yeah. So maybe like maybe he is growing into into his finishing ways, but I still think. Uh, I still think he uh, he has a long way to go before anyone regards him as a finisher or as a threat, uh, finishing threat. So yeah, uh, I'll take Bullock just just a bit more. But from everything I've seen and I've, I've heard from you, he seems perfectly perfectly tough uh, to go the distance here. Yeah, I I wouldn't even go that far as far as um Haddon's previous fight. I'm spacing the guy's name, which is probably for the best. I don't want to kind of call him out or shit on him but he he was some dude who like works full-time as a physical trainer and i think it was just a payday for him where it was like the first body shot that he could sell as being stoppage worthy he just went down and took the count um so i'm not really sure if i can buy into hatton improving just on the heels of that but um but we'll see i i think bullock is sufficiently durable here and we can move along to Terry Harper, the week after uh, Homegirl pulled out, Cecilia Brakis, RIP, your uh, dog stab there. Harper mm-hmm. is around minus 1,000 against Ivana Habazin, the Croat, um, plus 600, heavy juice on the over. Um, I don't have a ton of thoughts here. I think Terry's not quite at a price point that does anything for a parlay, but I almost want to say she's like parlay material here. Um, I trust that Ivana is going to be fit here. She was training for Jessica McCaskill on the upcoming Berlanger versus Jason Quigley undercard, but I think Harper is probably the sterner test at this point in their respective careers between her and McCaskill. Also, this fight's a higher weight a week's notice. I just don't think any of this bodes well for Habazin and uh, could be a bit of a payday element here. So, Oh, also one thing I wanted to note, um, just weird subpar optics here. Habazin's been kind of bemoaning boxing politics on Twitter a bit of late and also taking shots at Matchroom in particular for not placing a higher purse bid on her fight with McCaskill, so not really doing herself any political favors here um, with uh, the powers that be, but yeah, th- those are my thoughts here. What do you what do you make this one, Vlad? Yeah, just as a half a decision written all, all over this one, I think. Um Look, we kind of broke down Harper last time out as well. Uh, I thought she looked perfectly fine uh, against Hannah Rankin. And she looked good at the weight, strong, powerful, quick. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think she wins 
at a very very high clip. But yeah, again, there's uh, there's nothing appealing uh, odds wise here. I don't think. Like to be although to be honest, I was like like you said, uh, it's decent for 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 parlay. Uh, throw in her uh, Maestro Maestro Roig Roig who we're going to discuss later on, and someone else, and then. Yeah, like if you're a fan of dirty, dirty parlays, then Harper might be uh might be worth uh to to put it in one. Yeah, not advisable at this price, but if it was closer, like minus five hundred, I think that would kind of be fine just for um you know realistically. Well, my, I, yeah, minus five hundred would be very very nice. Yeah, I I don't really know what sort of fight Habazin is gonna put up here, but. Yeah, less said about this fight, the better. Um, hopefully, it's entertaining. We've got next, I think, one of the weirdest, kind of unique fights of the weekend. Um, Jack Catterall, a huge favorite over Dara Foley. Kind of funny. The Irish Foley is not on the Queensbury Conlon card. He's on a Smatcher one. But you're looking at heavy juice on the over. Um, you know, I think the ridiculous number of head class stoppages alone on Foley's resume should scare anyone off goes the distance or overs in, in parlays. Um, you know, he's just kind of deployed these frankly like dirty tactics that have kind of halted fights um, that kind of scatter his uh, his CV. I, I think it's also just kind of crazy to think that Catterall in the time following the Taylor robbery has sat on the sidelines for a year and three months. I mean like Everyone knows that he was hard done by, but he's just not helped himself in the slightest um, from a career or promotional perspective, like at all. Um, and it's also to me, like why I view this fight as kind of weird. I, I think the matchmaking is a little head scratching. I mean, like you're getting this guy in his return to the ring. I think it's also his promotional debut. You might want to put in maybe a kind of plotting opponent, someone who makes the slick Catterall look good. And you bring in Foley, who's got a penchant for dirty tactics and also springing the occasional upset and uh, making these kind of rough and tumble fights. And I just don't see how Catterall is going to come out looking good here. It's um, just a weird fight overall. There's a range of outcomes. Um, I'm not really interested in getting involved with any of them. Um, well, I don't know. What do you think of this one, Vlad? No, uh, yeah, I don't think there's anything really appealing about this fight, either odds-wise or just kind of... Uh... Fan-wise, I don't think it's going to be a very pretty fight to watch. Uh, and odds-wise, yeah, uh, like you said, goes to probably goes to decision, but Foley and Clash of Heads, that does happen a fair bit, so he can't really be fully comfortable there. Um, and just kind of talking about it more from the kind of boxing perspective uh, as a fan. Yeah, I would have probably preferred Catro to get a slightly... I guess maybe a bigger fight, because uh, like you said, he did sit out for, for a year and a half. Uh, he's not young either. I don't think this fight really does much for him. Um, I get. I think I think he wins a decision, but where does he go from there? It's, uh, he won't really improve his profile by winning a decision against Tarifoli with all due respect. Uh, he didn't capitalize on the Taylor fight. Uh, on the aftermath of that, and now he's just kind of back to. He's basically back to where he was maybe about three, four years ago, fighting the kind of decent but not spectacular opponents uh, in ten rounders, 
winning decisions. Uh, yeah. Uh, who does he fight next? Does he fight uh, Progray if he wins it? Has to. I mean the the cupboard's kind of bare. I mean, I think the understanding was that Progray was going to sign with Matchroom, and then they could eventually deliver Matias. But I'm hearing that Matias, um, the latest rumors that he's staying with PBC, so that might not happen. So. I've heard yeah. Matias might be fighting uh, Bartholomew. Bartholomew or Lippin? Yeah, it's going to be one of those two, I think, on the Crawford Spence undercard. Yeah, that's fair enough. I hope it's Lippinet, but you know, uh, he'd probably put a beating on the on Bartholomew. So, so yeah, I'm I'm keeping my fingers crossed for the um, Bartholomew Easter rematches the Chief support personally on that pay per view. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm not crazy about this matchmaking for Catterall. I don't see a scenario where he comes out looking great. Um but I hope he proves me wrong. I just don't really see that in the cards. Um main event time, Bronco Lara uh looking to uh get a second straight win over Lee Wood. Bronco Lara, like around minus three hundred, it's varying a decent bit. Lee Wood north of plus two hundred. Um I'm noticing seven and a half total start to emerge, which I think will be the norm by the time this fight closes. It was initially eight and a half, and I think Ander took some pretty appreciable steam. Um, yeah, I've lumped Lara Moneyline as one half of a parlay, and I'll get to what the other leg is later. But, you know, kind of tempted to go like unders or doesn't go, but I don't know how much... Um, how highly I can rate the possibility of a Lee Wood stoppage. I I really dislike the shortened time frame for him to get right back into the fire. I don't know what goes better in the rematch for him than their first go around. I think Lara probably closes the show maybe a little bit sooner. Um, you know, I think that first fight was kind of Lara in a lot of ways at his worst. He um was not looking great and uh, looked uh, a bit rusty and eventually got the stoppage. I think if he's a little bit more switched on, then he has potential to far exceed this money line and make minus 300 look like a, a bit of a bargain as far as parlay legs go, um, or even him by KO at like minus 180, whatever. Um, that, that can look good as well. So, yeah, I'm just keeping it short and simple. I don't like this decision of, Wood or Boxer Size Ben or whoever made this call to exercise the immediate rematch and hop right back in there. It uh seems uh slightly desperate to me, but what do you think, Vlad? Yeah, uh look, uh I'll be I'll be on the Mauricio Lara as well, and I'll be doubling him of uh, Josh Taylor coming up in uh, in a couple of weeks. We'll discuss that uh in the in the next episode. But yeah, I I think look, I um uh, I bet I bet Lee Wood live against Mauricio Lara just before he got iced, and I thought he did well. I thought he, I thought he really did well in the first in the first fight. He was boxing well, but he still got caught and he still got stopped. I think the first fight was basically it kind of showed that how how much of a narrow path that uh, Lee Wood has to has to walk to win the fight, and even when he boxes well. He still got knocked out halfway through. So, and now he's coming back less than, was it less than half a year? I think it's, yeah, I think it's like less than six months. 
after a pretty bad knockout and uh, I'm just not sure what he can change uh, in this fight. Uh, he could, he'll probably be more cautious, but at what cost does that come? Does that just give Lara even more confidence and he will just walk him down and beat him up? It's very possible. So, yeah, it's a kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Uh, if he fights like he does the, uh, in the first fight, he gets knocked out probably even quicker. If he fights more cautious, uh, probably doesn't scare off Lara or just kind of lets him lets him fight at his own pace. So, yeah, I think I think the odds are maybe a bit uh, a bit generous minus three hundred. I thought that would be a closer to minus four hundred more. 450 minus 500 but uh uh yeah i expect lara to win uh by stoppage wood might even have his moments uh people do have their moments against lara but uh, lee wood has to fight the, the perfect fight and even then it's not guaranteed lara we know the kind of power that he has uh, he can afford to um lara can afford to make a few more mistakes because he has that uh, equalizer in him so uh, yeah, I think Lara wins uh, by stoppage, retains the uh, retains the belt, and uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I want who I want uh, him to to fight next after this one. Yeah, just jumping in. It wasn't even. It was like three months ago. It was a shade over three months ago that they last fought. So that is a really rapid turnaround for um what was a pretty serious KO. And I'll just add, you know he. He had this admirable turnaround, fight of the year candidate against Mick Conlon, but you consider how hard that knockdown he suffered in the first round was, and you're talking about like some pretty gruesome moments over the last year for for Lee Wood. So just adding to um, him jumping back in the fire, not being maybe the best uh, decision here, but yeah, I'm of the same mind. I, I think Lara could even close in that price range you were alluding to where by fight time he's closer to like minus 400-ish um, once people kind of take note of this fight and add him to parlays and such. But yeah, so that does it for the matchroom card. Let's kind of close it out on this boxer show, which I think has a number of sort of compelling fights. Um, I'll just spare a couple sentences on this Karis Artingstall versus Jade Taylor fight. Big juice on Artingstall, big juice in the over. Um I've said in the past on the show, I've been kind of a fan of Arting Stalls since she turned over. I found her to be, um, you know, pretty entertaining to watch. And I think it's cool to see her in this um, first scheduled eight rounder. I think the stoppages are going to start to kind of trickle in as she is booked for more eight and 10 rounders as she has a bit of a vicious um, body attacking style. I don't know if this will be the one, you know, Jade seems like a pretty competent domestic level fighter. She's gone to 10 before. Um, so I don't know if I can endorse the stoppage here, but just want to keep an eye on. Hopefully, Karis just comes through this one unscathed and kind of um makes clean work of it, and then we can see her go again. Because I think um, yeah, she's just someone who I think will will probably get value um odds on to get a stoppage sooner than later. But um, moving on from that one, why don't we talk about um, Lewis Edmondson, who I think for a time was promoted by Billy Joe Saunders or managed a. I don't know if that's still going on, but yeah, he was, he was, yeah, yeah. He's he's facing this fellow Pitar Nosik. Um, do you want to talk about this one, Vlad? Sure. Yeah. Uh, Edmonton, interesting, in- interesting, interesting prospect. I quite, uh, I quite enjoyed watching his fights. Seems to be pretty aggressive. Um, decent pop in his in his punches. 
better not better knowledge we know him from his uh fight against uh, Ben Whitaker when the distance there but uh, that fight from when I watched it when I was taping Whitaker a couple couple weeks ago what kind of stood out to me was not such a look final Nosic was tough but it was more of a is was Whitaker just kind of fucking around and letting him be there rather than oh this is like an impressive display from Nosic to go the distance so I'm not I'm not too sure fully what to make of Nosic. It could be one of those spots where perhaps the market overrates uh, him going the distance of Ben Whitaker, whilst Lewis Edmund, uh, Edmondson might not be the caliber of a prospect or as hyped as uh, Whitaker, but he just fights in a slightly more aggressive style, and I believe that if he hurts Nosic, he will follow up on that, and he will not kind of let him uh, let him off the hook. So, uh, um. I was eventually uh, initially I was kind of interested in the uh, over well, it's four point five isn't it yeah over four point five but um, yeah I think I think Edmonton's uh, I think Edmonton's aggressive enough to where I wouldn't trust the the over like if he hurts Nosich early on he would just kind of follow up and try and build on that and not let him off the cook so uh, I'm gonna pass but. Um, yeah, um, I'm quite interested in seeing how Edmondson develops. Yeah, we're on the same page there as far as the um, the Ben Whitaker fight maybe being a bit deceptive as far as Nosich uh, having an impressive uh, goes the distance feat on his resume. I mean, Nosich has fought nobody else good, uh, like not even remotely, um, aside from Ben Whitaker, who, you know, you mentioned Ben kind of uh, goofing off a bit or wanting to bank some rounds. Also, Nosich fought him in the amateurs they they could have uh they may have had a bit of a kinship or Whitaker may have been privy to you know a stoppage loss for no such taking money out of his career so he maybe wanted to kind of uh guide him to the final bell which obviously won't be a concern of Lewis Edmondson's um you know Lewis the the fights of his I've watched he seems like a pretty committed attacker even if he's only got a 50 percent KO rate um so, yeah, you're looking at a level of intensity that I think Nosich probably hasn't faced in the pros, and it's just not really inspiring for an over. I think I would just warn against the over or goes the distance in case folks think it's a slam dunk based on Pitar um, going the distance with Ben Whitaker. Um, yeah, enough about that one. We've got Mace Rueg against Dean Dodge. Rueg had a big splashy shove of dodge at weigh-ins i don't know what was going on there seems like kind of a bonehead move um rueg's a pretty big favorite um dodge coming off a couple of losses around plus 450 do you have any thoughts on this one vlad uh not really i think like the opening odds uh roy roy was a decent bet i think it's got bet down a bit now uh look he should he should win this and he should win this uh very comfortably uh, I don't think Dean Dodge is uh, is, uh, is on his level. So, and this is a pretty, I think this is pretty smart matchmaking. Uh, hey, maybe Mace might even get his uh, first stoppage of his career here. But yeah, I don't really see anything too appealing on the odds wise here. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I that was one of my first takeaways from that viral clip of Rueg shoving him. Is before the shove, I was kind of like, man, Dodge sort of looks like hell here. Um. So that was consideration for um, a KO, but I think it's like a six rounder and for a guy who hasn't got a stoppage in 10 
something fights. I, I don't know how appealing that is to me. Um, yeah, you don't want to be betting based on how they look and everything. If, if the guy doesn't have any stoppages beforehand, mm-hmm. you're basically betting pure, pure speculation. Yeah, yeah, completely. Also, Dodge was a bit unlucky for that previous stoppage against um, Akib Fiaz, I think it was. Um, it was just like an accumulation of damage. Um, but yeah, let's talk about this Tommy Welch fight. Um, Tommy Welch, big favorite over Amin Buchetta. Um, I was not admittedly not familiar with Welch. This was the first I'd heard of him and taped him, and I had a delightful time. I really enjoyed myself watching his fights. I really encourage... Um, listeners to watch some of his greatest hits on youtube um guy's just kind of hilarious to watch he's like a former bodybuilder who's fighting at heavyweight now and i i don't think he's very good um i'm taking this fight to go the distance at roughly even money what is it yeah minus 110 um which i think is fine buchetta it's brings a level of discomfort when you're backing a, a career cruiser who's now fighting at heavy to go the distance but my mentality is just kind of simple. Like if you're making a coin flip goes the distance or doesn't for a guy who was not able to stop Pavel Sauer, then yeah, I'm going to take goes the distance. Um, you know, I think Buchetta fought negatively, but very well for an overs backer against Scott Forrest last time out Forrest, um, who's a cruiserweight and he's kind of bricked up and in shape and brings a lot of output and Buchetta just soaked up all of his punches. Um, and Forrest, uh, in fairness, is kind of has a one note attack, a lot of one twos, and um, there's not a lot of variety, um, which made life a little easier for Buchetta. But you can say the same for Tommy Welch, and I think Welch probably has worse cardio and also lower uh, punch output than Scott Forrest. So I think if you're looking at Amin Buchetta hanging around by like the second round, then it's it's a pretty safe bet. This fight's going to go the distance. Um, what what do you think of this one, Vlad? Yeah, I think um, Buchetta is has the perfect style that you look for when you're betting overs. It's quite negative, doesn't really do much uh, punch out uh, output wise. Seems to be relatively tough. Um, my concern for the uh, for the ghost goes the distance, goes to decision. Uh, by the way, I've bet I've bet Tommy Welch. I'm going to bet Tommy Welch by decision. Uh, if I can get uh, plus 100, perfect. Uh, my concern is the Arthur Mann fight, where Buchetta just seemed to get hit with everything, and he, it seemed like he was operating the major speed disadvantage. But then that was at Cruiserweight, and Arthur Mann is, is definitely quicker than Tommy Welch. So, yeah, I was, I was impressed with him against Scott Forrest, like you said, kind of... Absorbed the damage very well. Never really looked like he was in any danger of getting stopped. Uh, so the chin is fine, uh, and the willingness to go around is fine as well. Uh, he's got, I see, he's already got another fight booked in a month. So uh, he's on. Uh, I assume he's on his uh, on the journeyman uh, journeyman tour. Uh, to uh... so yeah, I see. I assume he'll be uh, he'll fight pretty negatively. As long as he gets through the first couple rounds against Tommy Welch, he should be fine. Six rounds, uh, six rounds shouldn't be a, an issue for him. He's been he's been ten already, so uh, he knows how to uh, navigate the distance. And yeah, it, like the only thing is the size is the size uh, difference between them. But hey, I think I think it'll be fine. Uh, at at kind of like even odds, 
small plus money, uh, you can do a lot worse than uh, than betting some sort of Welch by decision goes goes distance or whatnot. And coming up next, we've got Lee Cutler facing Stanley Stenard. I have not taped this one. Do you uh, have any thoughts here, Vlad? Cutler, he suffered his first pro loss against uh, Brad Rea, and that was like his kind of maybe first uh, in a big, big 50-50 fight. He did get stopped in the first round, and like on paper, that looks those are not really good optics. Uh, but I thought I thought uh, it was a really fun fight for, uh, for as long as it lasted. Cutler kind of came at uh, Brad Rea, and he pushed the fight, and he paid for it. He got caught on the uh, end of uh, Brad's jab, and just kind of couldn't get it, couldn't uh, couldn't get out, and uh, got picked apart uh, from from then on. Uh, otherwise. Um, he looked. I thought. I thought he looked pretty decent against uh, Joe Julio. Went the distance. Um, Cutler's style. I really enjoyed. It's. It's very aggressive. Comes forward. Decent shot selection. Goes to the body. Um, always trying to push the action, which is. Uh, yeah, which always makes for very entertaining fights. Uh, Stanley Stannett is a bit. Is a bit more of an unknown. I was only able to see his like early fights. And unfortunately, there's not much you can take away from that. A, they're a couple of years old. B, it's just him, him fighting journeyman and outboxing them uh, pretty um, pretty soundly. He seems tall, quite rangy, decent jab. Um, probably not the probably not the most power. So, uh, how I expect this fight to play out as Cutlet? I assume Cutlet will. Utilize the same kind of game plan that he that he did against uh, Brad uh, Brad Rea. He'll he'll come forward, try and push the fight. Uh, I think he is probably the he's the heavier puncher here. Try and get on the inside. Try and force exchanges and uh, and kind of wear on uh, wear on Stannard, who will I think will try and box on the back foot. Be the slicker man. Use his height, use his reach, and stick uh, Cutler at the end of his jab. Yeah, I'm really looking forward for this uh, to this fight from a, a new from a neutral neutral perspective. Uh, odds wise, I think this is pretty pretty close, just because we don't really know anything about uh, Standard, or we don't know much, so we can't really align the fight accurately. But from everything we know, that seems more or less more or less accurate. Uh, Cutler will be fighting at home, so that's a little advantage in his corner. He's a boom of guy. Uh, I'm sure he'll get the crowd uh, riled up and behind him. So. Uh, uh yeah. Uh, if I had to pick, I'd go Cutler by decision. Uh, but I don't think the odds are that uh, that that appealing because uh, I think it is a very close fight. Good deal. Um, yeah, we could just move along. I've uh, again, I've not taped that one. Um, but yeah, intriguing scrap here. Uh, some kind of fun slop for us. Uh, for those of us who don't need excessively technical fights all the time. I just want to see two guys throw down um, Sam, the Savage Eggington um, check your books. He's around plus one thirty ish against uh, Joe Pigford. who's taken on kind of a cult following. Um, it was a 12 round fight. It's been confirmed. Um, some folks who were curious about whether it's eight or 10, but this should be a 12 round uh, fight. And yeah, uh, doesn't go at minus 200 closes out my previously mentioned parlay featuring um, Mauricio Lara as well. So that comes out to like minus 104, something like even money. 
Yeah. So, I mean, we as boxing fans, I think there's a lot of us who have been kind of waiting on a moment like this. We finally have this moment to fade Joe Pigford versus someone remotely decent. And um, I'm just left feeling surprisingly kind of agnostic. I think I anticipated being a bit more um, on board with the Eggington upset train, but I, I just feel like when you've got a guy in Pigford whose sole redeeming quality is that he can punch a little bit, then a guy like Eggington can feel like sort of an infuriating beat waiting to happen. Um, you know, his recent form has been good, a lot of decisions and uh, distance fights, but he places himself in harm's way fairly regularly. Um so, yeah, I don't know. I think Eggington's probably going to have some hindsight value on the money line. But uh, I just think where there's, like, considerable value by, like, a dollar or so is is in that doesn't go. Um, you know, there's a 12-round fight, and I kind of feel like the minus 200 doesn't go reflects an 8 or a 10-rounder. Um, you know, we're talking about Joe Pigford. He's never fought past six rounds before. He's got a heavily papered CV. Um opponents being flown in who've never fought anyone remotely decent um and yeah even though eggington's kind of fought to these 12 round distances um most recently i think you're looking at a guy who's capable of getting in a war even when it goes to the full rounds you know the cheeseman fights the jakitu fights are good examples of that and i think if pigford starts to gas by the midway point and he can't defend himself i think sam's capable of taking him out and similarly Pigford could catch Sam early and it will be a very annoying beat for Sam Eggington backers who couldn't say that they've not seen, you know, Eggington's chin betray him before. So I think a lot of roads lead to this one ending um, before 12 rounds. Uh, what do you think uh, of this fight, Vlad? Amazing fight. Really looking forward to this one. Uh, the pig versus the egg. Uh, I'm going to be on the egg plus 130. Um yeah, look, uh, if he gets chinned early on, then so be it. But I think uh, the longer the fight goes, the more favors Sam Eggington. And whilst I do agree with you about the uh, minus 200 uh, inside the distance, it does seem appealing. But then I also don't really want to be kind of, uh, let's say, Pigford gasses in like eight rounds or so. And then what if Eggington just kind of bullies him for the next four but doesn't pick up the the late stoppage i'd be i'd be kicking myself um yeah i think the risk of betting anything like you said is uh, him getting stopped early but anything after let's say the first five six rounds that massively favors Eggington and favors his style of him being relentless coming forward absorbing your shots and giving you eating one and giving you three more so uh yeah, I think uh, this is Eggington's fight uh, to lose uh, after the first six rounds, as long as he doesn't get stopped early, and which he hasn't been doing so recently. So, uh, yeah, I think Eggington should, should have this one, uh, take it over late, maybe late stoppage, maybe decision, I don't know. But I think uh, the Egg will uh, will win. Hell yeah. If, if Eggington chins him at any point, just know that... Uh... Vlad and I are celebrating in our respective homes, each of us cashing. So hopefully Sam takes him out. Tired of Joe Pigford <laughs> and his pristine record uh, polluting our TV screens. Um, well, yeah, so main event time. Lawrence Acoli, surprisingly quick turnaround from 12, right, 12 rounds against uh, David Light. 
He's facing uh, Chris Billum Smith, uh, a Coley around minus 400 CBS in the plus 300 range. Um, I've got some pretty wishy washy analysis here. I mean, I think off top, this is a pretty dangerous fight for for Boxer and its brand. I mean, you're looking at a quick turnaround for a Coley. It's on CBS's home soil. Um, yeah, to me, like as far as props go, CBS points in the draw feel pretty big considering the totals and fight goes indicates that this fight should probably go uh, the distance. But uh, then again, if that's the case, you should probably just take Bill Smith's money line, which I'm actually mulling. I you know, this, this was one of the last fights I kind of considered um, and I might tape it further and kind of try to reach a less flimsy conclusion. Um, for the time being, I'm kind of debating a stab on um CBS around plus 300. Uh, am I off base here? What do you think of this one, Vlad? Um, yeah, I think this is. Uh, I, I, I really like the matchmaking. Uh, yeah, it's a risky, it's, it's a risky fight, but it's also a fight that kind of that interests me. So, um, uh, full props to to Akoli for the quick turnaround and going um kind of going to the challenges backyards. CBS does have a pretty big following in Bournemouth, so. Uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. Um, I can definitely see why you're perhaps interested at the CBS as at uh, kind of plus like what is he plus? Uh... Okay, plus plus three hundred. Uh, yeah, I can't blame you being interested there. Uh, what I'm looking at is, um, I think a Coley by decision plus two plus two sixty is pretty interesting. Um, I see it being look. It is first of all we have to remember it's two big big guys cruiserweights who do carry knockout power, but I do think it will be quite a after maybe the seventh for seventh eighth round it could end up being be, becoming a pretty sloppy fight, a very physical fight, the coldly draining uh, and and hanging on Billum Smith making it making it his kind of fight so. I think I think a Coley by decision plus two sixty is not bad, but then also I'm looking at a Coley seven to twelve at about plus two twenty two twenty something like that. That's also interesting. So if I combine both of them, I get about I can get about minus minus one one fifty five for a Coley seven to twelve or decision double chance, which to me kind of brings his money line into a very playable territory. I don't think he he does uh, CBS early. So uh I think it's I think it's I think it's a competitive fight, but eventually a Coley's kind of physicality will will wear down maybe in the championship rounds. And uh yeah. Then the concern is does he get the decision with the fans being behind CBS? Uh and kind of uh, reacting to his punches, I don't know, but uh, I'll 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 have a think, uh, and maybe I'll do the double chance, uh, Coley decision, or seven to twelve. Yeah, yeah, I'll uh, I'll think this one over a little bit as well. I mean, your your double chance worked to perfection last week, so that could be um that could be the move here. I mean, I think also in fairness, I've not been a huge CBS fan over the years, and. If memory serves, his last fight against the guy from Kosovo, um, you know, he got that like KO of the year candidate. But um, if, mem- if memory serves, there were some dodgy moments for Dome Smith. 
uh, earlier in that fight? Yeah, he got. I think I think he got caught once. Uh, I wouldn't say like he he looked bad or like he ever really looked in trouble, but he did get caught and like, he did get stunned. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll think this one over and maybe do a deeper dive into CBS's history. Um, yeah, I, I mean, boxer better hope a Coley wins this fight. Like that is, if the David Light fight was not a good look for for them, then I think him losing here is full on disaster mode for Ben Shalom and company. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But like, I mean, even then, CBS they he does have like that kind of following in Bournemouth, and they did already base a couple of events around him. So, yeah, yeah, uh, it's one of those things though, kind of similar to last week with Cameron and Katie, where it's like, yeah, ostensibly Eddie's promoting each fighter, but there's kind of a clear A side for who he would have preferred to win. Like, oh, yeah, you no. you pay up for a Coley so that he can hopefully be a world level fighter someday. Um. And I don't think even if CBS is under the boxer banner, I don't think there's as much long term money in him as a Coley. So, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, I think uh, CBS kind of filling out arenas in Bournemouth is about like his kind of level. Uh, I doubt Boxer kind of expecting him to do much more. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, yeah, that that wraps up a uh, pretty pretty loaded slate for us. Um, yeah, figure why not just recap our bets real quick. I'm on the Duarte and Keys under four and a half on the Golden Boy card. I'm on um the Campbell Hatton fight to go over six and a half rounds. I'm on the Tommy Welch fight to go the distance. Um, and I've paired Sam Magnton versus Pigford to not go the distance with uh Mauricio Lara's money line. Uh, do you want to recap your uh, bets real quick, Vlad? Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm 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 uh, on uh, Eggington plus one thirty. I'm gonna be uh, tailing you on the Hatton Bullock over six point five rounds. Uh, Tommy Welch by decision, slight deviance from your Welch uh, goes goes the distance, but pretty much the same one. I I just like the little plus money. Uh, it'll probably be a draw or something now. And then uh, Mauricio Lara opening uh, the first kind of leg of my uh, double. Uh, Going to be doubling him of Josh Taylor later on. But uh, yeah, so uh, Mauricio Lara for this week and then Josh Taylor a couple of weeks later. Uh, but yeah, guys, uh, in the meantime, thanks again for listening. Positive reviews on whatever platform you're, you're using to, to listen or shares on Twitter. All that good stuff is appreciated. We will catch you the week after next. Uh, take care.